chapter 23. I want to get there in a second, but a couple other quick announcements. Again, we're going to be starting, I'm waiting on the materials for Sunday morning, resolving uh, conflict, everyday conflict. That's going to happen uh, as soon as I get the materials. We're waiting. I checked it uh, Friday. It's back ordered to be here by the 31st, so hopefully we can start it the following week. Um, In two weeks, Wednesday night, uh, we're starting a new series. We're finishing up Watch Your, Watch Your Mouth with uh, uh, Dr. Tony Evans. He's a powerful preacher. And then we're going to start in two weeks uh, on Wednesday night, The Driven by Eternity with John Bevere. You want to come to that as well. If you can, I understand you work and all that stuff. But do your best to come uh, because we're trying our best to give you everything we can to help you grow in the Lord. Amen? I believe that's all the announcements I have. And uh, so are we ready? All right, so if you want to take your Bibles out, um, would you again, I know I do this often, and it's because I really mean it. I love you. I care for you. And every time I get up here, I pray that God would speak to you. And so when I, when I preach the Word, I pray that you're open to the Word of God. Because this is life. Come on, this is life. And, and if you just walked away from here like, well, I, I didn't get fed by Pastor Stan. You know what? I'm going to be nice to you. That's your fault. I mean, I'm sorry. Let me be nice to you. I'm sorry, but I, I pray that you would open up because I feel I have fresh messages from the Lord or maybe an old message that you haven't heard and I've had to repeat it maybe. But I want you to hear this. I mean it. We're running out of time, church. And God wants to do something powerful in you, in your life, in your school, in your community. And God is going to only do it when you start preparing and saying, I'm taking these messages and I'm going to put them in work. Because you can hear all you want. Oh, Pastor, I wish you'd talk more about this. I wish you'd talk more about that. I wish you would listen to what I say and then you'd put it into practice so I can move on to some new things. I'm not trying to be mean. You're bad, Pastor. You're cranky. I, I want to kind of shake you up a little bit. Don't take for granted whoever, whoever's preaching, me, a missionary, Melissa, anybody, don't take for granted Sunday mornings. Be ready because God is, these are the words of life. Say God's word God's is life. So now, if you have a Bible, if you have your device, turn it off, no notifications, right? Some of you right now, you're on Amazon, you're on eBay, you're on the shopping. Oh, that's a, those are cute. You know, that's, I need that for my truck. Stop that, okay? Put your Bible app on, and that's it, all right? Now, you have your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we have some. I'm going to have some else. But would you just take your hand or your Bible and just open it up like that? Would you just do that, please? I'm just asking that you would, again... Receive the word of life today. Father, in Jesus' name, I exalt you. And Lord, I do humble myself. I, I don't mean to come across as angry, or, but I want us to not take for granted your word. Lord, I don't want to miss opportunities where we can worship you and be changed by you. And these are the words that will help us tomorrow at work, at school, with our family and our singleness. These are, these are the words that will help us go forward in your name and do great things and fulfill the dream you have for us, God. And so, Lord, we will set aside whatever is distracting us for these few moments and we will get into the Word and we will allow the Spirit to speak to us. If our hearts are hard, hearts are hard would you, Lord God, soften them? If they're confused, remove confusion. If there's fog, if there's doubt, remove all that. And, Lord, I humble myself in your sight because I'm imperfect. But I want to preach your Word today with your power, with your Spirit, with your anointing so that we go out of here changed, God. Changed that we can change the word. We bless you, and we all say, Lord, let the word speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again. I'm going to try not to be so harsh right now. I apologize. Last week I rushed through the message. I apologize. I'm going to try to slow down because now I have two hours to give you the message. So here we go. 
Um, I do want to read these scriptures that are on the PowerPoint first before we read 1 Samuel 23. It says, For we have this treasure in jars of clay, that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So God's power is in you. You are a jar of clay, right? You're a carbon-based unit. You were made. God took the earth and he made you from that. So you are a vessel of clay. But in that clay vessel is the power of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18, it's up there. Therefore, here's what God's saying to you today. Do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Look at you, you're, you're getting older, but you're, you're looking good. You're aging beautifully, but you are getting older, okay? It says, so though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is seen, unseen is eternal. And God's words are eternal this morning. God is an eternal God. Come on, amen. He has eternal purpose for you. And again, I'm, I'm not going to refer to it too long, but when I was, uh, had the opportunity to be in Israel that those five days, what struck me also was eternity. How, how God, the God of eternity, set into motion an opportunity for you and I to have a relationship with the God of eternity. And that we live in a, we live in a great land and, and there's many other great countries and I pray for all countries. But I thought about how short our history was here in the United States. You know, three, four hundred years as a nation, two hundred some odd years. But I thought about being in Israel and that how, how Abraham was walking along, how, how, how you know, God was, had called Adam and Eve and, then, and he was walking with them and he always wanted a relationship. And even that same thing is still today. God wants a relationship with you. Eternally. Eternity. So I want you to take, see the big picture. So this morning we're talking about chasing the lion. And I wanted to take a... As I was reading last week, we talked about David and the caves. We talked about... And I know I went, went through it fast. I slowed down towards the end. And I apologize for that. We talked about how David had a, a dream from God. And if you remember the message title, basically it says, I stepped out in faith, but I ended up in a cave. And so David was, was anointed to be the king. Saul was the king of Israel at the time of Judah and Israel. He was jealous of David. He... he, he hated David he chased David down he tried to kill David he tried to pin uh, David to the wall a couple times with a spear he, he, uh, Saul even tried to do it to his own son one time and so here it is David is now going from the palace and, and being a commander uh, in the armies of Israel now he's, he's on the run he's, he's an enemy of the state remember all this now so what I, what I was as I was reading that last week and even this week I thought you know what there is some parallels here that we need to grasp today and the parallel is this. Saul was, was anointed king and so was David. And so this, this morning I want to talk about some dream killers. And you see, Saul, these dream killers killed Saul's dream. David, however, passed the test. He, he failed at some of them, but he passed the test. And you see, God has given you a divine dream, a divine purpose. And whatever it's call, you're called to do, it's divine. But see, some of us were stuck in a place where we have, have not learned these eight lessons yet. Some of you are like, well, Pastor, I've, earned, I've learned these eight lessons. Then, then pass them on to the next generation. Pass them on to someone else today who needs your help. Because you see, we want instant success. David was probably running from Saul, I don't know, uh, seven or 15 years. And so we, 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 every time we turn on the TV, then we hear about instant success. And, and if you ask those people, they said, I've worked all my life to be an overnight success. And in the spiritual world, we think God answers our prayers and we, we, and we want God to change our world tomorrow. And sometimes He does. 
But what I want to say is some of you are struggling. I'm not trying to be mean. You're struggling. You're stuck because you've not learned these lessons yet. And if you want to be fruitful for God, and if I want to be fruitful for God, we need to learn these lessons. Okay? Saul, let's, we're going to do some comparison and contrast how Saul did not learn these lessons. And David learned the lessons. Saul ended up killing himself because he could not learn these lessons. But David lived a long life. And he is fruitful. And if you remember last week, I read it in Acts chapter 4. It says that when David had served his generation, when he'd served his purpose, then he died. You see, I want you to serve your purpose on the earth and then I want you to go to heaven. I don't want you to live a short life like Saul did. And Saul was impatient. Saul was angry. Saul was jealous. Saul was petty. And every day the world tells you to be angry, to be impatient, to be petty, to be selfish, to be comparing your life. Saul could not handle the success of David. So you ready? So here we go. So God is doing, there's a contrast between David and and Saul. And so I want us to to capture this. You see, David was successful. You've got to listen to this very, very closely. Okay, I want you to hear this. David was successful because he surrendered himself to God. Say, surrender to God. Saul was not fulfilled because he never surrendered himself to God. He went to God to be blessed. David went to God to be used by God. David was a man after God's own heart. Saul was after the blessings of God. I pray that you're not after the blessings of God, but that you're after God's own heart because when you go after God's own heart, then the blessings of God come upon your life. And if you're going for the blessings, you're going you're to end up like Saul. And you're going to live a terrible, empty, bitter, angry life. But if you're like David who is hungry and says, God, I want to learn. I want you. I want more of you. Then you're going to be blessed beyond all measure. You're going to have tough times, but you're going to be blessed going through those tough times. So David had faults, but he didn't let these faults kill the dream that God gave him. He chased the lion, and sometimes the lion chased him, but he chased the lion. So here we go. You ready? So here's dream killer number one that you and I need to learn from. It's this, unproven character. Unproven character. You see, character, it's like a rudder. It, it either drives you or it, you're going to crash against the rocks by the world system. Character is important. Character is very important. Amen? Romans 8, let me read this to you. Romans 8, I think it's on your notes 5, I'm sorry. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. So let me read this statement to you. It's been said that you will be ruled by the rudder or you will be ruled by the rocks. And so you, your life you, your life is like an, a ship in the ocean. And either your character is, is steering you or the, the waves of the world are going to just crash you against the rocks. You see, character is going to take you through the storm. The world will destroy you in the storm. And if you've not passed this test of unproven character... You see, we see people, they, they rise up. And it said, I was just watching yesterday about these um, super athletes in football, you know, American football, and how they had these meteoric, ri- uh, meteoric rises up. And they were great, and, and they had great uh, uh, sport ability, but they had no character. They were immature. And so when fame came upon them, they, they crashed. They, they became addicted to drugs. They killed themselves or, or whatever. And you see, we live in a world that wants instant success. We deserve it now, but God says you can't handle it until you have a character that can handle it. 
And on the opposite, they showed people who had character in that. They were raised in a godly home where they were, they were put in with knowledge of, of you're nobody more important than others, but do the best you can with what God gives you. And you see, that's where David was. David said, I have a, a God-given talent. I've got, I've got God-given things. And so most of us do not like storms, right? Who likes storms? I mean, some, it's cool to watch a storm come through, but no one likes to be out on the ocean in a storm. No one likes to be on the highway out in Nowhereville when a blizzard happens and your car is doing like this, right? Or you can't even see the road in front of you, right? Or the, and the semi-truck goes blowing past you at 958 miles an hour and you're like barely creeping along. You can barely, your wipers, I can't see. But you see, the storms build character if you allow them. You see, David learned from, if you look at Saul, if you, and, and, and your homework this week is to read about Saul and David in 1 Samuel. Read the differences. Man. Samuel could not handle, uh, I'm sorry, Saul could not handle the storms. He didn't like it. He didn't, he didn't obey what God said, but David went through the storms. And so this morning, you're going to go through, I want to talk about this. Storms fall into the same category as this. And I, as I told you, I exercise because I love to eat. <laughs> I know I want to stay healthy for my family. But I, I, I hate running on the treadmill. Some of you love it. I hate it. It drives me nuts. I can't, stay, I can't wait to get off that thing. But I do it because I want to stay healthy. It's discipline. And, and I like to eat. And so I want to be healthy. And so it, we don't like disciplining ourselves, going to bed, not watching certain things, or, or, or being on work at time, and coming to church on time, right? Amen? Um, a, a clear conscience happens from being disciplined. A, a, a focused mindset happens from being disciplined. You may not like stopping on a trip for gas, but you have to. And so those are things that are like a storm. You, you may not like the storm, but you have to weather it. You can either meet it and let God build your character, or you can cry about it and not learn. And see, David learned in the caves. Saul never learned. He didn't learn in the palace. He didn't learn from, from, from the, the storms in his life. And let me tell you something else about storms. Can I do this? You see, when I was younger, and, and I'm getting more compassionate, believe it or not, something like, really? Um, the, but the older I get, the more compassionate I have on people. And you see, when I was younger, I would, I would be, look at people and say, well, that was, what a fool. That's their fault that they did that. How stupid. They were dumb for doing that. And then I made that mistake. And I said, God, I, forgive me for being so judgmental on them. Or, or, or when something happened in someone's marriage or, or were their kids, you know, you, you know it's, it's always funny when you don't have kids, it's always, you, you, know how, you know how to raise kids. You're an expert in it, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about? You don't have You can tell all the parents, well, this is how you need to raise your kids. And this is, your kids are out of control because if, if I was their parent, I would do this. And then I had kids. And I realized, oh, wow. And then that old saying that, you really can't judge someone until you've walked a mile in their shoes. In church, our world, we, we're quick to blame everybody. We're quick, we're, we're quick to throw people under the bus. And we're quick to say that they need to do this in their lives. And maybe they do. But until you've walked through a cave experience a few times, until the doctor says your wife may not live after this operation, when the doctor or somebody says this is not going to happen, Till the company says, you're fired. Or the spouse leaves. My spouse didn't leave. She's homesick today, by the way. Or, or something like that. 
Until that happens to you, you're not going to be as compassionate. You need to be. And so when people are going through storms, don't be so mean to them. Come on, amen? Love them. Help them. Encourage them. Be there for them. Walk with them. That's character. Come on, amen? That's good preaching. And so if you want to go forward, because here's the thing. Saul was angry. He was bitter. He was jealous. He, he was angry that, remember I read it last week, that, that it says that, that, that David is, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed tens of thousands. And you see, here's the problem. You and I see someone at success. They get a raise. They get promoted. They get the corner office. Or, or your neighbor gets a new car. It looks like their marriage is, is great. Or, or someone passes a class and they get, they get all the accolades and you just say, oh, that's a good job. Keep it up. And you see, Saul allowed that to start eating at him. And it chewed him up to the point that he tried to kill people because he wanted success at all costs. And I'm challenging you, that's not character. Success celebrates when someone is blessed. Success celebrates when someone works hard and they get blessed. But don't you go around, oh, that's not fair, I worked harder. Maybe you did, but maybe God is saying, you haven't learned the character lesson yet. Until you learn to bless someone, I can't bless you yet. Because you won't be able to handle the blessings. Come on, church, is this good preaching? I want you to learn. I want you to get beyond this. You see, and I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to use this example. I, I heard a pastor talk about, I read about a pastor using an example of, he said bitterness and anger are like strapping, like a suicide bomber, strapping that stuff on them, and they walk into a room and they, they explode in anger, and it destroys them and it hurts the people around them. And you say, well, that's crazy, but it's, it's deadly. When you're bitter and angry and you're always comparing other people's lives, it spreads around. It hurts other people. It taints them. It, it makes them negative. So please stop. The Lord is saying today, if you want to grow up, you've got to stop comparing your life with someone else's. Hebrews 12 says that we are to run the race set before us. Your race is not my race. My race is not your race. Come on, amen? You're different than I am. I'm different than you. Thank the Lord, right? You're like, man, praise the Lord I'm not like Pastor Stan. I'm grateful too because that would be bad. But you see, anger destroys reputation. Anger devastates friendships. Bitterness causes jealousy and manipulates you to do wrong things. Father, refine us and help our character be refined. So is your character like Saul's or is it like David's? It's your choice today. The second thing, I think we move on, is pride. Pride. One of the fastest ways to kill your potential is pride. And, and I, I want, I try to raise our kids, I try to help you to be, to be confident in who God is. Confident in who, who, you're, who God has called you to be. Confident in the gifts and talents. I want you to be that way. But I don't want you to be cocky. I don't want you to be prideful. Well, look what I've done. Look, I'm all that. I'm good looking. I smell good. I'm, I'm the best at this and I, I'm better than everyone else. And if you start living like that, then the same thing happens like with Saul. When you start polishing your awards and worshiping your plaques and constantly counting your money. Oh, look how good I am. Look, how, Wow, praise, praise God. I've got all this money. I'm such a smart person. And praise God you do. But God wants you to use it, by the way. That's extra. But if you're always looking about, look what I've done, look what I've done, look what I've done. You go to work. Hey, work, just remind you, my business, look what I've done. 
pride is overtaking you. Philippians 3.13. Do I have it? It's on there? Yes. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So in other words, yesterday's success was yesterday's success. You need to go on to new things. And Paul here, Paul was a successful preacher, apostle. But every day he's like, I strive every day to reach heaven. I strive every day to reach the call that God has for me. You see, in America, we like to settle down. We like to, we like to say, well, I've, I got this degree. I've worked hard. I've, I've built this business. Look what I've done. And, and, and you know what? Your life begins to decline spiritually. And God is saying, you're not done yet. You're, you're, you have more things to do. You've got to keep running for the prize. Run in such a way as to win. And I, I love what, what Mother Teresa, she prayed this every day. I want to read this to you. Mother Teresa prayed this every day. Lord, may I, may I today begin serving you. Starting today, for up to now, I have really done nothing. Let me read it to you again. Mother Teresa prayed this every day. Lord, may I truly begin serving you. Starting today, for up to now, I have really done nothing. You see, Mother Teresa has done more for God than some of us will even imagine will ever do. But you can. See, she wasn't saying, I'm a terrible person, I'm a wicked, but she was saying, God, that's awesome, but I want to do more today than I did yesterday. And I want to challenge you, don't get stuck in your faith. Well, I'm, a, I'm good, I'm going to, have, going to heaven one day, and I, I, I'm good. But No, God says, that's fine, but don't get stuck in the past. Don't get stuck on your accomplishments. Be humble. Come on, Amen. The Bible says, humble yourself. And what does God say? He will what? He will lift you up. You see, is your character like Saul's or David's? Saul wanted all the accolades. David wanted more of God. I mean, it took some time. David had to learn in the caves. David had to learn. So let's move on to three. You doing good? Number three, dream killer three. I pray again, this helps you. Impatience. Oh, aren't you? Pastor, hurry up. And, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess to you an area I struggle with. I have many. I, I struggle with impatience. You can ask my kids. When I get behind you and you're going 35 in a 40 mile an hour zone, you're wasting my time. I need to get there. If you're on the interstate and you're in the left lane and you're going under the speed limit, I'm behind you honking and I'm, oh, I'm not honking, but I'm like, I've got to get somewhere. You're in my way. You're keeping me from fulfilling my divine destiny, whether it's eating, being with my family, or whatever I'm doing. Get out of the left lane, camper. You're supposed to be in the right lane. I'm, I'm being honest with you. But you see, sometimes in our spiritual world, we get impatient with what God is not doing or He is doing. And this can be a character flaw. And I've met many young ministers or many old ministers that, that they're so impatient, they get angry. And it's, again, it's, I'm going to use the farmer example. How many of you know what a farm is? Anyone grown a garden? Okay, how many of you know what a garden is? Anybody know what corn is? Wheat, apples? Okay, and let me use, a, I mean, a, a corn. You know, corn is a quick, a quick um, it, it is a quick crop. You plant it in the spring and it can grow. You've got to water it. But same thing, corn doesn't happen overnight, right? You don't have popcorn. You don't have tortilla chips. You don't have uh, tortillas coming off there. I mean, it, or whatever comes out of corn, corn on the cob. It, it takes time. 
And you see, God is planning things in your life. He's, he's planning people and He's planning stuff in your life. And we want it now, 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 God. I'm, I'm faithful. Whoa. And God say, be patient. Be patient. Grow and walk with me. You see, Saul was impatient. Impatience kills dreams like, like no other thing. You see, remember Abraham? Abraham was impatient. Remember Abraham? God said to Abraham, you will be the father of many nations. Abraham got busy. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> He's like, well, where is it, God? Where is that promise? It's not, it wasn't happening. These, these wives I have, not happening. So he, he brings another woman in his life, uh, and then he, he gets her pregnant, and then he births Ishmael. And we're dealing with Ishmael's seed even today. Because the Bible said, now I'm not trying to be mean, you've got to read this. You, we look at what's happening in the world today, we look at all this stuff, we wonder why there's conflict, and, and it's the devil obviously, and it's sin, and it's mankind out of the will of God. But the Bible said when, when, when Abraham had birthed Ishmael, he said Ishmael will be a donkey of a man. He will fight his brothers and he will fight those around him. I'm going to say something. It might offend some of you. The followers of Ishmael today are fighting themselves and fighting those around them because that's what happened when Abraham got impatient. We're dealing with Abraham's impatience today. And you see, sometimes we get so impatient, we want God to do something right now, and we try to, we try to get to, the, to the, the, the penthouse without building the foundation. We want the paycheck without putting work in. We want spiritual revival, but we don't spend time in prayer. Come on, this is good preaching, amen? We want to know the Word of God, but we don't want to spend time in the Word of God. We want to worship God, but we don't want to come in ready to worship. It doesn't happen that way. You've got to prepare your heart. You've got to take the time. You've got to be patient, and God will give you dreams, but it takes time. You see, Joseph lacked experiences he, was, he also was impatient, but God had to take him through time. David, let me go back to David. David had to spend time. Let me just read this story. I don't mess it up. I already talked about this, but David was anointed king over Israel, but it would be many years. He, he was trained for seven years ducking spears and living in a cave. Can you imagine? Samuel says, you're going to be the king of all of our people. Great, I'm going to be the king. But Sam didn't tell him, but first you're going to have to duck spears, run from Saul, and hide in caves. That, I mean, I wouldn't sign up for that, would you? When you sign up for your job and you say, all right, I'm taking the job, and I'm going to get this salary, and they're going to say, oh, but by the way, the boss is going to chase you down and try to kill you, and then you're going to have to live in caves for seven years. You would say, right? You'd say, forget it. Come on. Come on, church. In America, we're spoiled. We don't understand hard times sometimes. Come on. And when it does get hard, oh, well, I'm out of here. I'm not serving God. I'm done, I'm done with this church. I'm done with that church until, until, you know, something happens. Well, God is saying, you need to grow. You need to draw close to me. As I, already, I mentioned last week, listen to the message. David grew closer to God. He wrote Psalms. He learned about shepherding. He learned about toughness. And then, as I said before, and I'm going to bring it back up, those who came with him were the dispossessed, those in debt, those who were, who were, who were just the outcasts. He brought them alongside and all those people, he raised them up. He took bitterness out of them and, he, and they became the leaders with him. And those people that are in the caves with you, you're supposed to bring them along and help them to know Christ. Come on, amen? You see, God is doing this work of training in all of us. 
And to see our dream take flight, we must endure the developing of our character. It may take a lifetime. And again, I know it's so easy because we, we, we get at a place like, where are you, God? Are, are you even here? And he's saying, yes, I am, but don't give up. Run the race with endurance. Run to win. We live in a society of quitters. We quit everything. Don't quit. Come on, amen? I love this. I, have Cal, I love Calvin Coolidge's words. So I have it on the screen. I hope you can see it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to slow down. <sighs> Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. I love that. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. The slogan, press on, has solved and will always solve the problems of the human race. Learn in this time. Come on, amen? Learn to not be impatient. Let me move on. Are you doing good? The fourth thing. The fourth thing is this. And this, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but, but I want to talk about ingratitude. Being ungrateful. Every day, I pray that you wake up saying, thank you God for another day. Well, i got to go to work today, Pastor. i got to ride the Metro. I woke up with this back pain today, Pastor. I woke up and knowing that there's going to be trouble when I get to church. You know what? You're not grateful. Be grateful that you can still feel the pain in your back. Be grateful that you have a job to go to. Be grateful that you have a church where the pastor gets on your nerves. <laughs> that they don't just read some dead message and, you know, e sanctum pluribus unum and go and do your peace, have fun. Come on, amen? Now you have a church where I try to hear from God and I try to speak to you. Wow. Life would be better if I just... Just be grateful for what you have. Come on, amen? I was thinking about, again, traveling in, in, in Israel, the land of milk and honey. It really is. But I was thinking about it. We went on a mission trip in Mexico back in 1980-something. Um, 85, I think. I don't remember what it was now. And we went down there, and the believers there didn't have a whole lot. I mean, their church buildings, their church buildings, there were a couple of churches about this side. They were cinder block like this. They had bars on the windows, and you could see in and out. And then they had, they had these, this, this steel, you know what I'm talking about, the galvanized steel roofs. And, and tell you what, in middle July, it was a little warm in there, you're talking about? And they were, they were packed with people. But they weren't out there, well, we don't have air conditioning like Rockfield Assembly God does. Yeah, we wish we had a sound system that doesn't get ripped off every week. I mean, one church we went to, it was, it was even more basic than that. They had to lock their sound system in a, like a secure, like, I mean, it was a secure luggage player, or, uh, compound almost every week because it got ripped off. What does this have to do with me? Well, you need to be grateful. You have food. Well, I, maybe you are, if you're starving, come see us. We have bagels and bread in the back right now after service. If you're struggling, let us pray with you. If you're struggling with something and you're having a hard time meeting your needs of your family, let us pray with you. Maybe we can find a way. But be grateful every day for the chance of life today. Don't gripe and complain all the time. I don't know about you as a parent. I'm going to be honest. When I, when, if my daughters start getting whining, complaining, and not grateful when we do stuff, I begin to pull back on 
doing stuff because my kids are spoiled. Your kids are spoiled too, by the way. I'm spoiled today. I mean, I look at my life where I'm at today and my parents' life. I have much more than my parents ever had. The food we, get, we feed our kids, I know sometimes it's like, oh, we're going to this again. Yeah, well, at least you get something again. And I was thinking about that today. I, spam and rice and green beans, macaroni cheese and hot dogs for dinner, ramen noodles for dinner. I think, well, we don't eat like that, thank the Lord, all the time. Be grateful. Come on, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm getting off. Ingratitude. How many times do we become ungrateful for what God is doing for us? How many times do we become ungrateful? Saul was ungrateful because God wasn't doing enough for him. I mean, he was the king. He had everything, but he was still ungrateful. He was angry that David was successful because David tried hard and the Lord blessed him. I hope you pass this test. The fifth one is incorrectability. I've got to spend a few minutes here. Are you good? Incorruptibility. Proverbs 29, 15 says, The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. You see, correctability is one of the most important factors in your growth success, in, in life, in, in everything you do. The presence or lack of correctability is going to determine how far you will go in life. Your ability to be corrected or not be corrected determines if you will fulfill God's dream for your life. And I see it more and more, and I I try to be careful, but more and more as I'm getting older and the, the longer I'm in ministry, the more I see people do not like to be corrected. at jobs, in the church, in, in homes. And, 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 and so, sadly here, you know, we've had to let some youth pastors go because they could not be corrected. And if you keep trying to correct someone they don't want to be corrected, then you can't have people like that working at the church. Some of you in your jobs, your boss is trying to correct you. and you say, I'm going to do it my way. He's like, that's fine, but this is the way we want you to do it. If you don't like it, then find another job. You know, I'm stuck at this job because you're not learning to be corrected. Come on. If you know everything, then you would be God. Come on. If you go around thinking you know everything and no one can correct you, you're not going to be a vessel for God. You may not be successful. You may not have any friends. Your family may not even like you. I know I'm I'm being harsh, but I I want you to get this. You see, being correctable or being able to be corrected reveals your ability to respond to truth. You see, truth corrects. Truth gives life. And so when someone speaks to a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker, a pastor, someone in the church says to you, hey man, I'm concerned about you. What business is... Come on, man, you want to fight? Come on, you, you, I got faults, so do you. Here's your faults. In fact, I've been making a list. Let me tell you your faults. You're not correctable. You see, David was still open. The prophet would come to him. Samuel would say, David, you have sinned. Nathan would come to him, you have sinned. What did David do? Get out of here, jerk. I'm the king. No. He got on his face and he said, oh God, I'm sorry. 
Saul was, someone killed this prophet. I don't like him. And you see, we live in a society now where our leaders like that. They don't like the truth when someone points out errors. And we have places in work where we don't like our errors pointed out. But if you want to grow, if you want to be mature, you want to be fruitful, then you have to allow God to speak to you. Come on, amen? You see, you have a choice. I've got to spend a couple more minutes here. You see, wisdom, the Bible says to pursue wisdom. Go after her. He, in the Bible, calls it to her because wisdom's good. Wisdom is awesome, right? Sophia is the Greek word for wisdom. Wisdom is good. He says, chase after her. The, the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, is saying, chase after her. Do all that you can to learn. Because you can have all kinds of knowledge. You can have 50 degrees. You can have a doctorate. But if you don't have wisdom how to use that knowledge, then you're a fool. Or you're not going to learn. So let me chase after wisdom. Because if you don't chase after wisdom, then you're going to have to go to the school of consequences. Say, chase after wisdom. Don't enroll in the school of consequences. Okay, chase after wisdom. God give me. In fact, James says, anyone who asks for wisdom will what? You'll receive it. Not out of you, fool. God, oh, I, I want to give you wisdom. Can you imagine? God wants you to have wisdom. Isn't this awesome? Okay, well, some of you say, I'll move on then. All right. You see, Saul lived by consequences. David did a little bit too, but he learned from them. Let's move on. i got to move on so I can get down to the end. Dream killer number six is unbelief. Unbelief. The next three, are, they're all important, but un- unbelief. 2 Timothy 1.12, this is why I am suffering as I am, yet I, I am not ashamed because I know whom I believe and am convinced that he's able to guard what I have entrusted for him for that day. God wants to fulfill great things in you. I want to challenge you, don't give up. Don't give up on this church. Don't give up on your life. Don't give up on what God's called you to do. Come on, amen? Unbelief sends potential dreams in the grave more than you and I will ever know. And we all struggle with it. We all do. And you look at Jesus oftentimes. In fact, Matthew, let me read this. Matthew 9, 28-30 says, When they had gone indoors, the blind man came to him and he asked him, do, he asked the blind man, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, will it be done for you? So look at that. Jesus didn't, he he said this, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Jesus didn't say that, do you you believe? He said, do you believe that I can do this? And you see, many of us, and me included, are in a place where God is saying, do you believe that I can do this or not? Are you going to step out in faith? Are you going to wait around for me? Or are you going, to, you going to believe for your healing or your provision or the breakthrough or, or the miracle to happen? Come on, amen? You see, Jesus, again, he's waiting on you and I. A lot of times we're like, where are you, God? Why aren't you working, God? And God says, I'm waiting on you. When are you going to step out? When are you going to do that thing? Again, remember the whole, whole concept with the lion chaser. If your dream doesn't challenge your faith, then it's not a dream from God. If you can fulfill your dream by yourself, then it is probably not a dream from God. Good preaching. Do you believe that God can repair your marriage? Do you believe that God can bring your son or daughter back to the Christ? Do you believe that God can heal you? Do you believe that God can speak through you? Do you believe that God can build a successful business or ministry or calling through you? Do you believe that God can reach this community through you and this church? Come on, amen. Do you believe that God can revive this nation, the nations of the world? God is waiting for us to step out. 
and myself included, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired of waiting around. I want to step out. I want you to step out in your ministry, your call, your life, your dream. All right, number number nine, seven. I'm sorry, we're seven. We have eight, seven. I added another one. Just added number seven. Another dream killer is unresolved sin. Jeremiah five twenty five. Your wrongdoings have kept these away. Your sins have deprived you of good. It's not the sin that destroys God's people. It's the unresolved sin. And we all have secret sins. We all have certain temptations. And, and, and we need God's grace to help. And see, grace isn't just some weak need, silly lather over, oh, you're a good person. I know you're going to try again. God's grace is I can help you overcome this temptation. So confess. In fact, you should confess daily. Make it a habit to confess daily. Work on it. Because we all have our faults. We all have our temptations. There's, all, there's certain things that every one of us know that we should not be around. Ask for people. Or pray, God, help me to deliver me from that. And, and Lord, let me crucify my flesh or whatever's keeping me drawn to that. Get away from the source. Do whatever you need to do. But you see, Saul's unresolved sin was, again, that he was jealous. He was bitter. I mean, there was a lot of things going on. But he, he ruined his divine dream because he had unresolved sin. His pride, his jealousy, his bitterness, his anger. And you see, you've got to say, God, I don't want this to hold me back because God doesn't want you to be held back. The devil hates your guts. Say that. The devil hates my guts. Your life. I'm sorry. Your guts. That's okay. He hates your life. And he's going to do everything that he can to throw temptation into your life every day. And he knows your weaknesses. He knows what you're... And he's going to throw them at you constantly. And you have a choice. I don't have to do that. I'm going to walk away from that. Or, oh, it's kind of neat. feels good. We all do it. We all do it. And that's why God sent Jesus to set us free, to help us, because you and I, we can't defeat sin in ourselves, but through God we can. Amen? So the grace of God is there to help you powerfully destroy the strongholds of Satan in your life. God's grace silences the work of the devil in your life. That's awesome. Come on, amen? And here's the last thing. You doing good? Here's the last thing. Dream killer number eight. And this is what's killing this church and every church in America is the inability to act. The inability to act. We always think it's the pastor's job to do everything. We always think it's our mom's job. It's the, pa- it's the president's job. It's the boss's job. It's my, it's my husband's job. It's, it's, no, it's your job. Every one of you have a task in life or task in life. And only you can live out your dream. Remember I, I read to you, I mentioned to you Hebrews chapter 12. Each one of us must run the race that is set before us. I can't run your race, you can't run my race. But as a church and as, as a nation, as people, we can run together. And I love the illustration we were praying about. That I heard this years ago. Uh, again, it's, it's the twig concept. And, I, and Martin, I'm going to borrow that from you this morning. That a lot of times, we, so the, uh, let's say I'm a twig. I'm not quite, maybe I'm a kind of a bigger branch with a little fluff here in the extra padding in the middle. But I, I can bend a little bit, but if you take me long enough, I'm going to snap by myself, right? But if we gather a bunch of us, and maybe there's a hundred of us in this room, and if you take a hundred twigs or a hundred branches together and you try to twist them, they're not going to bust as easy. Come on, amen? You see, when a church elevates the pastor, oh, it's about the pastor, or it's the worship leader, and you take one person, you put that, and when the stress of the world comes, he or she breaks. But when we all get together and say, this is my body, this is my church, 
And we come together and say, we're all one. We're going to bind together. We may be different, and that's, that's what God made. We, we have differences. We're gifted together. But when we come together, the devil can't easily break us. He can bend. He can stomp us down. If we're tied together in love and unity, he can throw us down. We're going to stick together. And you see, too many people in America have the concept of the church is there to entertain me. It's there to bless me. It's there to, to be for my needs. No, you're here to be about God's purposes. And I do, I do. I pray, I want to bless you. In fact, I'm going to give you my cell number right now. Are you ready? 911. I'm just kidding. I'm serious. I, I, I was praying about this and please, I care for you. But here's the thing. I can't live out your life. You have to act in what God's called you to do. I'm here to help you. And you're here to help me build God's kingdom. And when you and I keep waiting for someone else to act, I'm waiting for you to act. You're waiting for me to act. When we say, you know, we need to act together. Let's step out together. Let's do this together. We will see revival and breakthrough in our homes, our schools. And I want to help you. I, I mean it. I mean, I was reading in Scripture this week. Got my no dream will ever come true unless you and I act on it. You can talk about a dream all you want. You can have a dream all you want. But until you act on that, go ahead and stand with me. You can act on that dream or you can talk about it. And God is calling you to step out. He's calling you to invest your mind on that dream. Start doing it. Go ahead and stand with me. Would you please stand with me so we can finish up and we can have a time of prayer at the altar time or we, whatever the Holy Spirit wants us to do? Little happens if we just keep talking about a dream. Much can happen when we act on our dream. I mean, whatever it is, you, you've got to find that thing. You've got to focus on. You've got to find that thing you're doing. You're supposed to work on it every day. Take steps. I mean, I was talking to, in fact, Mark Batterson, I told this, because I'm interested in writing. I said, how did you start writing? He said, he said, man, I read so many books. I thought, wow, he reads like three times, five times more books than I've ever read. I try to read a book a week if I can. I really do. I try. And he, I said, what, what do you do? He says, I, I read every day, read lots of books. And then he says, I write an hour a day. I write an hour a day. And so here's my thing. Whatever you're called to do, spend time doing it every day. Whatever dream you're called to do, spend some time on it every day. Planning, dreaming, working. That means also cutting stuff out. This isn't helping me, but this is helping me. And start taking the step towards your, your dream. Walk in it. Come on, amen? Because God has a great plan for your life. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that whatever I said, I know I might have been harsh, I might have been hyper, I might have been angry, but in Jesus' name, I pray that we learn these lessons so we can go beyond. And some of us, were stuck today. We're stuck at a dead-end job. We're stuck in a relationship that's not working. We're stuck in this church. We're stuck in our family. We're stuck in our singleness because we have not yet learned these lessons. And these, if we don't learn these dream killers, we're not going to go forward with the dream you've called us. We're not going to be able to chase the lion. And Father, you want everyone in this room to succeed. I was just reading this last week and I made allusion to this. That your word says that you care about every detail of every person's life. You care about every detail of every person's life. You're excited about our lives. You want us to prosper. You want us to be successful. But we can't do it if we haven't learned these lessons. And so, Lord, help us to get these eight things in line with you. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to have those issues. But, Lord, let us not be like Saul, but let us be like David. Help us to be like David, who was a man after your own heart. He didn't come to you for the things that he could do. You could do. He came to you because of who you were, who you are. 
And Father, deliver any of us in this room that we're coming to you for blessings. Instead, we're coming to you because you're God. And we want a relationship with you. So Holy Spirit, speak to us right now because there are some that need to come to this altar. They need to confess. They need to ask for strength. They need to seek your kingdom. They need to come back and, and draw into that dream you've given them again, Lord. Maybe they need to, they need to cut some relationships out or they need, to, they need to stop. Maybe they need a new direction, a new job, or at their job, something, something needs to happen, God. I want to pray with them today. Lord, put a new desire in us for your dream. Whatever that is, whatever it call, I mean, you have a great dream for every person in this room, so let us fulfill that. Friends, let nothing kill your dream from God. Let nothing kill the dream God's given you. And let me speak this to you also. Don't be a dream killer to someone else. Don't shoot them down. Help them out. Lift them up. We're a family. We're the body of Christ. Come on, amen? Father, right now, do your work as we're going to begin to sing. I want you to come forward, church, as the Holy Spirit's calling you. So you know what? I failed one of these, one of these tests. And I, want to, I want to graduate. Come to the front. Or you know what? I, I, I'm struggling in this area. I need God's help. Or you know what? Uh, I want to help other people get over this thing. Or I need to get back my dream. Whatever that God thing is. Or I'm dry. I'm tired. I want you to come to the front right now. Come on. Come to the front. Whatever the Holy Spirit's calling you to do. Whatever you need to do. Whether it's confession or you want new strength. You want new wisdom. You need a breakthrough. Whatever it is, I want you to come to the front. I want to pray with you. We're going to pray with you. Please come to the front right now. Right now, the worship team is coming. Father.